Hi, I'm Andrew Lutze from Local Foods in Chicago. You're listening to Q4 Radio right here in Chicago. You're listening to The Mike Novak Show. It starts in 3, 2, 1. These American Indians want to shut down a new oil pipeline. The last time the seven bands of the Lakota, Dakota, Nakota Nation stood together was at the Battle of the Greasy Grass, June 25th, 1876. So this is historic that they answered that call. We're outside of Cannonball, North Dakota at a Dakota Access Pipeline construction site. But there's not any work going on here because protesters have halted the construction. Uh, we have had uh, incidents and reports of, uh, of weapons, of uh, pipe bombs, of some shots fired. When we say we're loading our pipes, that's our Chinupa. That's a sacred object that we carry to communicate with everything within creation. It's not a weapon. <laughs> the $3.8 billion pipeline is supposed to run from oil fields in North Dakota to Illinois. It doesn't quite cross through the Standing Rock Reservation, but it will cross the Missouri River less than a mile from the reservation. None of our water comes from anywhere else. It's just all from the Missouri River. It's overwhelming. and Like I said, we're scared. It's threatening not just us, but... Like I said, our future generation. The people we talk to here are worried that if the pipeline were to leak, it might pollute the Standing Rock Reservation's water source and other reservations downstream. Miniwichoni is water is life. There's a renewable alternative for that oil. There is no alternative for water. More than a dozen people have been arrested so far, including the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's chairman. And the oil company is suing the protesters in federal court. In a statement, the company told us the pipeline is in accordance with the law and that this is an important energy infrastructure project that benefits all Americans and our national economy. The Standing Rock Tribe also has a separate lawsuit in a D.C. District Court against the Army Corps of Engineers for approving the project. This is our Aboriginal territory. So where we are today was the, is the Army Corps taken area, but we own the, the mineral rights and we own the riverbed. And I hate to say own because it's not in the American sense of owning. We have our, our own word, wo-wa-u, oniha, which is the collective ownership. For Newsy, I'm Kate Grumke. Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete-encrusted banks of the north branch of the Chicago River, it's the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Good planets hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Nothing stopping him from running for president, except for the fear of getting shin splints. Here he is, Mike Novak. Mic one on, mic two on, mic four on. Wait, oh, mic three on. All right, there you go. <laughs> All together now. One, one more time. time. Uh, welcome on a Sunday morning, you know, and just before... Oh, by the way, 
Let me give credit where credit is due, uh, and that is at uh, the top of the show you heard a report about the Dakota Access Pipeline and what's going on out there in uh, Cannonball, North Dakota, in the protests. And they've actually become news, which is uh, quite remarkable because as of a week ago, nobody knew what was going on. And when I say nobody, it's in air quotes, nobody. Um, but now everybody. It, Even Susan Sarandon. It, <laughs> Don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> Don't get me started. I want to give credit to uh, Newsy.com. Let's give them a beer ding for that report, that lovely report. They did it so I don't have to go out there. I hope they don't mind that I played it, but I am, I am giving them credit for it. So Newsy.com did that report out in Cannonball, North Dakota. Got that, George? Maybe we don't want them to know <laughs> on Twitter and on Facebook. Keep it a little hush-hush there? Yeah, let's, okay. let's keep it under the radar, okay? I think we're fine with that. We'll, just, we'll give them the credit here and then move on. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show on a muggy Sunday morning. Foggy. Uh, was it foggy? Very well, foggy. not here. Not in Logan Square. I don't know where <laughs> the, you were. The whole loop was fogged in. Was it really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you fly over it on the way in? No. Uh, how did you know? Driving in. You could just see the loop was all fogged over. Coming in from up north, everything was fogged over. There were fog warnings this morning. Really? Okay. Do we have a foghorn? No. No. I don't have that sound please, effect. Please don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm totally with you there. I do not have that sound effect, so we're not going to worry about that. Uh, so Rick DeMaio will be here at 1045, of course, to give us a forecast. And can we ask him to just sort of break the spell? Let's. I'm, I'm ready for September. Uh, you know, let's bring in the cool weather. Let's bring in the jacket weather. It's, no, not yet. It works for me. It's, it's all right. Come on. We got folks in the room who know that harvest time is, is, is coming up. Um, and, and on the show today, it's a great show. We sh- we'll need to get rolling here because um, a ton of folks, uh, some of whom are already in the studio. Our first guest uh, we'll get to in just a second, Eileen Prendergast from the Chicago Botanic Garden. She's the director of education. And uh, Peggy and I went out there the other day to experience the new Regenstein Learning Campus. There are photos on Facebook and on uh, my blog and on the... And on my camera that haven't seen the light of day yet. Oh, that's true. Well, there was one that I po- posted yesterday you probably saw of you and Ch- uh, Carol Chikorsky, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't preview with you at all. I just threw it up there and said, okay, we're going okay. with it. All right. Because I, I figured you'd, you'd pull me aside later and say, I hate that photograph. Why did you put that up there? Um, but we went out to see the Learning Campus on Friday. It was sort of a press opening. Um, and the big uh, event, their big opening, is September 10th and 11th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and we'll tell you what the learn. And it's, and it's for kids, it's for adults, it's for both. Um, it's, it's got interactive stuff. It's a, a learning center. Uh, there's buildings, there's gardens, there's, there's a lot of things. We will talk about that with Eileen in just a second. Then in the uh, 9.30 half hour, I welcome an old friend, and I haven't seen the guy in uh, 25 years. I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> it was know. in kindergarten, right? Exactly, exactly. We we played we played uh, hoops together, uh, street hoops. Yeah, that was it when I was 14. <laughs> uh, and uh, his name is Scott Jones, and he is a director in Chicago. And we're going back into the theater thing. Yay! Let's give a beer ding for theater. It's just another way I didn't used to make money, and now it's radio. <laughs> 
uh, so I don't make money. <laughs> I, I, I pick all the winners. I, you know, you got your, your not-for-profit theater, your uh, your radio, your horticulture, all lucrative uh, industries. Um, but Scott's here with Megan Wells, who's an actor and storyteller, uh, and they are doing the world premiere of Turn Here Sweet Corn, which is a play based on a book by Atina Diffley, and you happen to have a copy mm-hmm. of the book right here. You even have brought in a, 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 a pot of kale, a kale plant. Uh, and so we get to talk about kale uh, because it, it, it has something to do with the show. For those of you ha- who haven't read Atina's book, and apparently it's uh, kind of iconic in, in about three years, it has become uh, uh, well-read and she's won awards for it. And now it's been turned into a play. A guy named Jim Stowell did that. And the world premiere is at Madison Street Theater uh, for just four performances next week. So get it together, folks. Get a ticket. Get a ticket. Get to. For Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, Thursday through Saturday, it's at 8 p.m., Sunday at 5 p.m., and all that information uh, is on my website, MikeNovak.net. And we've tweeted it, and we've Facebooked it, and you can find it. But uh, if you go there, you can get tickets, and we'll find out. Uh, later how to do that then in the second hour we go back to how we started this program with the dakota access event action the uh, tribes out in the dakotas are trying to block something called the dakota access pipeline sometimes called the d-a-p-l or the bakken pipeline or the it's going to take bakken oil um, 1,700 miles from the Dakotas to Southern Illinois. Yay! Woo-hoo! Yay for Southern Illinois. Yay! Yay for us in Illinois. And the whole idea is uh, it's just, it's another action by people who've said enough. Keep it in the ground. That That's the phrase now. That's the mantra. Keep it in the ground, meaning the oil, the gas. And don't cross our rivers with it because it will cross the Missouri, it will cross the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It, it has to. Which leads us to Mitch McNeil, who's going to be on the show at 10, who's from Surfrider Chicago. They're working with Oil and Water Don't Mix, another organization, and a bunch of – there's dozens of organizations in this. And there's a a pipe-out protest in Chicago this Thursday uh, at 6 p.m. at Montrose Beach. There's also one in the Straits of Mackinac, but uh, this will be easier for you to get to, obviously. And the idea is get people in kayaks, get them out on the, on the in, in various mm-hmm. f- uh, flotation devices, I guess, uh, out on the lake and say uh, no more to uh, the Enbridge Five, which runs. It's a pipeline that runs under the Straits of Mackinac. So we got two different pipelines here, and if they leak, it's the same result. It despoils our water, and one could. Ruin 20% of the fresh water in the world, which is the Great Lakes. The other could ruin the Missouri, the Mississippi rivers. What could possibly go wrong there? Uh, So we'll talk to Mitch McNeil, and we'll discuss uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline and other things in the second hour. And as I said before, (sighs) Rick DeMaio at 1045. I'm sighing. I'm sorry, George. Oh, and by the way, Peggy Malecki is on my left. Uh, Here, as always, the, the publisher of... Natural Awakening Chicago, and Token Millennial, George Burgandy. Token Millennial. Never gotten that before. I'll I gave it to you last yeah. time you were on the show. Token Millennial? Token yeah. Millennial. Oh, I missed I'm it. I'm not a Millennial. He's not a Millennial. No, but just a Token Millennial. Your I, brain cells are deader than mine. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm and, appreciating the new And okay. it's George's last official 
TBD for the rest of the year. TBD for the rest. TBD, Except we, but he starts school next week. That's so. right. He's going to, to get some learning. I don't know what I'm going to do on my Sunday mornings anymore. So. Well, you're going to listen, I hope. Uh, oh, yeah. And tweet, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm and harass and, Insta- you. and Instagram because you're the one who dragged me kicking and screaming into Instagram. <laughs> so there you go. That's the whole show. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. You can always uh, call us uh, if you want to participate. And of course, that number is three one two nine eight five seven eight three four. You can tweet us at Mike Now is the handle, or go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook and the Mike Novak Show on Instagram. I'm not even sure how the whole Instagram thing works with messages. You're supposed to put a picture, but people, I'm like reading. Message. Yeah. Mm. But do you have to you have to have a picture with it, don't you? No, you no? can you can Oh, I'm message getting someone. I'm getting a nod. No, you don't. Or you can do video. Oh yeah. It's like called, an entire it's called direct message. You guys yeah. wait here. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to do a video Careful, and post. We're going to wind up with a video. Oh. Show. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Let's go to the phone. Let's bring in Eileen Prendergast uh, from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Eileen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I was so excited this morning. I have a hibiscus out in the backyard, and it finally opened its first bloom. So I was out there with my kids checking it out and admiring the beautiful red color. Oh, is is it one of those um, mosquitoes, which are the dinner plate size ones? Um, I would say this is more of a dessert plate size, <laughs> probably the size of my hand. Uh, uh, I I get it. Okay, you deserve. There we go. We had to throw a rim shot in there for you. Is it in a pot? Yeah, it's in a pot. It's actually from the Botanic Garden. Um, every once in a while, if there are plant material that were done with um, being on display, yeah, the sure. staff are lucky enough to have a couple uh, to take home. Um, uh-huh. So that is where this one is from. I don't know, folks. It just ended up in the trunk of my car. I'm not sure exactly how, how it got there. <laughs> it, it had a bruised leaf. You know what? I, take it home. I, I, I actually, absolutely. They're the leftovers. I actually know what you're talking about because for 20 years, almost 20 years now, I've been covering you guys in the Morton Arboretum and other places and, and garden centers and so forth. And I end up with stuff. And it usually ends up in my yard. And some of them are trees. Mm-hmm. You know, and then suddenly twenty, oh, wow. and suddenly twenty years later, you say, "How did that tree get there? And how come I have so many trees in my backyard? And and how come I can't grow vegetables because there's no sun? Well, it's because people gave me plants, and of course, I put them in the ground, and and those things happen. So it's better to have hibiscuses, hibiscus, um, than than trees sometimes. Eileen is the director of education at the Chicago Botanic Garden. And uh, she was our tour guide. Peggy and I went to the new Regenstein Learning Campus uh, on Friday, uh, and it was. And it, first of all, it was a great day for that. the 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 sun was out, the sky was blue, the grass was green, and we were rolling in it. Um, and that's part of the deal, isn't it, Eileen? Yeah, um, one of my favorite features of the new Learning Campus are our rolling hills. (laughs) Rolling Um, hills. Part of the campus is our nature play garden, and we've created this amazing space for kids and adults to run and jump and play and hide in a a play space that's made out of all natural materials. So the rolling hills, uh, fingers and toes water feature, stumps to jump on and jump across, 
trees to climb through and over, wonderful spaces to explore and play with your family. Yeah, and if you see the the Rolling Hills is actually, that's a nice play on words because uh, they are rolling hills, but people, or, uh, kids and adults, because I did roll in them uh, on Friday, can roll in the hills. Roll in the hills, roll, roll, roll in the hills. But there's other stuff. There are the tree trunks, which you've carved out. Um, they're huge, massive. You can climb on top of them. You can crawl through them if you're small enough. Um, there are what, – what other features do you have outside? Outside, well, the one thing we didn't speak about yet in specific is the runnel, um, which is a beautiful sort of figure eight-shaped fingers and toes water feature. Um, it has about two inches of water flowing through it, and you can walk in it, splash in it, float some leaves down and see where they end up. And, of course, that's where Peggy ended up in bare feet <laughs> the other day. I didn't. Uh, yes, act- I remember her speaking about how warm it was, that we have a lot of sun in that space. So um, it's not ever going to be too cold for little toes. Or uh, big toes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stick your uh, big dough in the water, and that's just the beginning of things. Uh, and uh, and I have to ask you because I know you have a couple of kids, and they're ages three and five. So I get yeah. the I get the idea that you uh, were able to test the garden with a couple of kids. Now, is that true? That is true. We um, have been talking about this space for over six years, and. Um, you have lots of ideas and hopes and dreams for how people are going to interact with and use and appreciate the space. But until those hills were done and until the Nature Play Garden was built and that sod was really established, we couldn't get anyone out there safely to test it. So as soon as we were able to do that, um, we've been having some of our, our own staff children coming and my two little guys were there, and the hills were far and away their favorite part. My three-year-old was literally climbing up on all fours, running about halfway down them, and leaping off into the like soft grass valleys amongst the hills. They were rolling down them, running up. Um, another little girl who comes to our camp program, she was about eight. She was really fascinated by trying to figure out... Um, which was the tallest hill, which was the steepest hill, which covered the most area, which was the shortest, which had the longest grass, which had the wettest grass. And that was a an activity that we had never conceived of, how a child would be so engaged in sort of establishing those superlatives about the space. And so that was just a really neat way for her to be using the space Mentally as well as physically. Well, it's it's really only science. Okay, the kids are just interested in science. They want to know. Oh, absolutely. What 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 they you know the tallest, uh, the steepest. Uh, just you know, get out the uh, protractor. Uh, do people the use the compass? Whatever, use those things. Did I date myself there? And so you've got the wading pool, and you got the hills, and you've got a cup uh, and the logs to climb around, and groves. Uh, and, a, and a willow tunnel. What's that? Oh, yes, the willow tunnel. Um, thank you for reminding me. I was so focused on the play on the hills. 
So um, we had a space for many, many years down at the south end of the garden um, that was mostly used by people who were in our summer camp program or enrolled in classes. And one of the features in it was this willow tunnel. Um, And it was willow trees trained over a bamboo frame structure, probably about just six feet tall. So if um, you're any taller than me, you kind of have to duck as you walk through, but it was a lovely space that kids would run through and hide in, and so we've recreated one in the new Nature Play Garden. It'll take about two years for those willow trees to get fully established, um, but I'm very excited to see that element come to its full growth and see how that helps um, complete the space and the experience. See, you had me faked out there. I didn't realize <laughs> the idea was to to have them grow out. I, I wasn't even paying attention yeah. to that. Uh, you were trying to keep from hitting your head. I know because I am six foot, so <laughs> it's it, it's a problem there. Uh, wow. Well, that's that's really cool. Um, and, and so this is all outdoors. But uh, and by the way, that's uh, Eileen uh, Prendergast. And it occurs to me, Eileen, I was thinking there are Pendergasts and there are probably Pendergrasts, and you're a Prendergast. I mean, your your mail must look really interesting when people try to spell your name. Yes, it does. And my husband, actually, his name is Frame, P-F-R-I-E-M. So between the two of us, we um, get all kinds of spelling and pronunciation <laughs> oh, of our names. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine. I can't, I can't even figure out how the mail gets there. Uh, so, uh, it well, the bills get here. Yeah, so. of course they do. Of course they do. Uh, Eileen, uh, Prendergast, uh, who's the director of education at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, the Reagan learning campus though, is more than just the stuff kids play in outdoors and adults play in outdoors because I know adults are going to want to do some of the same stuff. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just too tempting. It really, I, I, I when I went to the um, the Morton Arboretum and they had their children's area set up a, a number of years ago, you think I was not going to take advantage of that and climb around and play? It's, you know, some people are too cool for that. I'm not very cool. So uh, there you go. Uh, but this uh, learning campus is more than that because you've got a whole building devoted to learning and uh, filled with all kinds of features. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. Um, the two new pieces of the campus obviously include the Nature Play Garden, but then also our Learning Center, which is an amazing light-filled space. And it, it, the light is, a natural light is about 90% of the light inside the building. Um, it really helps bring, even though you're indoors, you feel like you're outside because of that sunlight streaming through. And we are... The, the campus really serves as the hub for all of the programs and classes and events that happen through the Joseph Reagenstein Junior School of the Botanic Garden. And those classes are for our youngest learners and our little diggers caregiver child program to our field trip programs and our scout programs up through our huge variety of adult classes that we offer, botanic arts, photography, wellness classes like yoga and tai chi and of course many 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 different gardening programs bulb classes which are coming up a lot of those in the fall 
container design programs, um, winter plant care. And we have a couple new classrooms um, that we haven't had elsewhere in the garden up until this learning center has been built. One of those is the ITW kitchen. And so we are going to start expanding our culinary programs. We do a lot with our summer camp. We've also done some classes for families. And starting this fall and winter, we're going to add some more food classes, sort of connecting what you're growing, what is seasonal, and then how you prepare that at home. So that's a really exciting new element. And then we also have our early childhood classrooms, which is another area of expansion for us that the campus and the learning center offers. So in addition to our caregiver child programs like Little Diggers, a great developmentally appropriate space for our summer camp programs, we will also have a space for our teacher professional development and providing an immersive environment to show nature play activities that teachers can do at the garden and then take back into their classroom. And then um, our big new program that we're launching this fall is our nature preschool, and that's one of only two at Botanic Gardens in the U.S. So lots of new opportunities for us because of the Learning Center as well as the garden on the campus. I'm laughing here because I'm thinking uh, when Peggy and I were there in the preschool area uh the sinks are about 36 inches tall uh and and so are the toilets i mean it was it was you guys we thought of everything a tour of the bathroom yeah we got a tour of the bathroom and the sinks i mean it was it was just really funny and remarkable that uh that kind of detail is brought to this well we spend a lot of time thinking about what is our ideal classroom space and so often as teachers whatever grade or age you're teaching, you don't necessarily have that opportunity. And so as staff, our instructor core, we just feel so lucky that we've had this opportunity to be consulted and allowed to put so much thought and our all of our, you know, combined years of expertise into what makes a great learning space, a learning environment to create this beautiful new campus. One of the things, Peggy, maybe you want to talk about it a little bit. She was uh, intrigued, and I was too, was that you had this interactive screen. Yeah, the smart screen. The smart screen. I want one. Yeah. I I do too. I mean, it was like watching the the weather guys. No, actually, it was more like the guys on uh, on CNN and MSNBC, and they got the political map, and they're hitting the buttons, and then they're moving things, and they're drawing Mm -hmm. things on it, and you can do it all in real time and call up uh, YouTubes and whatever else you need, and it was – and, and it's on this huge graph. This George, you would have appreciated this. this is really high tech, uh, millennial stuff. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that. And if it disappears, Eileen, one of us may I'm have sorry. borrowed it. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, that that's that's it's so real, cool. Amazing technology. Yeah, we really wanted to make sure that we we obviously technology is a part of our world, right? Even though we focus so much on being outdoors and hands-on science and nature and gardening experiences for everyone, technology is still a part of our lives. And how do we use technology to enhance the experiences of nature and science? And these touch screens are one of the ways that we can do that. Um, you know, 
dig deeper and get a little bit more background information. If a student in the class asks a question, we can pull up a visual to explain a concept or um, we can also use those screens to show some of the hands-on activities that are happening to the entire classroom. So if we're doing a flower dissection, for example, and the teacher wants all of the students to get a close-up look of pollen in one of the flowers, the teacher can take a picture with their smartphone of that particular specimen, and then it shows up on the screen so everyone in the class has an opportunity to see it. We're also going to get some specialized magnifiers that attach to the screen. So if a teacher is doing a demonstration, they can do it underneath that magnifier, shows up big picture, and then everyone in the class has the opportunity to see it as well. And then when we're outside, um, we'll be using tablets, which um, have these magnifiers. They're called Zorbs. So kids can, you know, take a magnified picture of a petal or a tree bark or an insect capture that image and then take it back into their class and they can print those and, you know, use those images to help create a story. So we're using nature and science then to address literacy activities. So really looking at how we can be really interdisciplinary in the programming and classes that we offer at the garden. Well, it's amazing stuff. I mean, and it goes on and on, and um, the big opening is the 10th and 11th of September up at the Chicago Botanic Garden uh, from 10 to 4 each day. I'm trying to imagine what the crowds are going to be like. We're out of time, but I have all these other questions for you. Like, uh, you've got these rolling hills, and, you know, when you're when you're on the side of one, all I can think of is, wow, it's the 14th hole, and this is a really lousy lie. I'm never going to get this shot on the green. Uh, uh, but the kids are just thinking, how do I roll down the hill? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but I'm also thinking... What's the and and I and I didn't sandbag you with this question because I did uh, at the when we were out there on Friday what the variety of grass was. Um, oh, you I still you still need to look that up and tell me. I assume it's some some it's sort my of homework. I assume it's some sort of Kentucky blue, probably something like that, because it's a sod and they rolled out the sod and that sort of thing. But also, uh, as I was telling uh, Gloria Chiacho from the uh, Botanic Garden, I want to come back in a couple of years when you guys have been doing the maintenance on these hills for a couple of years just to see what that challenge has been like, because um, it will be a challenge. It'll be very very oh, interesting. I know. And, and and the other thing that you guys are girding your loins for is you're going to allow kids to wander into some of these gardens, unlike the rest of the Botanic Garden where you say, stay on the path. This is interactive, and you really want uh, kids to get involved, don't you? Absolutely. It's, it's interactive in a different way. We always, you know, in the, our programs have talked about gentle touching or one-finger touching um, because we don't want there to be a fear of plants, we, you want to engender a respect for the beauty of plants and nature, and this is a little bit different. Um, we've done a little bit more with the Children's Growing Garden, which is an, another space on the campus we actually didn't talk about today, but there's a lot of in-ground planting beds for kids to weed and water and harvest. So we do have a little bit of um, experience with that and how we've learned to make sure that 
that garden is still very beautiful, but it's still interactive. And we'll take those lessons and use them into the nature play garden for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, congratulations and good luck. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy weekend on the uh, the tenth and eleventh, but uh, you guys will survive it. You're you're pros at that. Uh, and again, it's the Regenstein Learning Campus, um, and um, bring bring the kids, bring the grandparents, uh, bring yourself. Uh, just kind of relax into it is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Just sort of relax into it, and you're really going to have a great time. Eileen uh, Prendergast, Director of Education, Chicago Botanic Garden. Thank you so much, and uh, I hope I see you soon. Thank you so much. It's been great. Take care. And uh, enjoy your donuts. I know you get donuts as a reward <laughs> for this today, right? Yes, yes. My kids and husband went out and got donuts while I was <laughs> oh, nice. with you guys. So they're, they're waiting in the backyard for me. Oh, that's great. Uh, have them roll around in the grass and eat donuts. We will, for sure. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM. If you've been paying attention for the last couple of weeks... Which I haven't I, been, actually. What? But what? Well, just pretend you've been paying attention. Okay, I will. So you know you have just three days left to get 10% off your online order from Native Communities Native Plants. Nick Fuller, who you might have heard on this program last week, says that this is a great time to consider planting natives in your yard. But you might be wondering what kind of natives. Well, if you caught the program last week, we talked about liatris and coneflower and coreopsis and ferns. Well, actually, oh my. actually, we talked about the ferns after the program, but you can add them to the list. He's got a great selection up there. And you can get your discount online only by entering Mike Novak in the discount box at checkout. The deal is good through August 31st, and you'll receive 10% off any order. Plant with Chicagoland's native plant source, Natural Communities Native Plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and tell them Mike Novak sent you. Oh, uh, it's not September yet, but that doesn't mean much to the publishers of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. They seem absolutely oblivious to the actual month. I mean, I've already received my copy of the September-October issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, and so now I will be forced to deal with all kinds of autumn issues, like the arrival of fall-blooming crocus, or colchicum, if you will, which I have in my yard and I haven't even thought about for months. I mean, they're beautiful and unexpected, and why do I need to think about them before the end of August? And then there's my column on the inside back page of every issue. Are they trying to remind me of the pain and suffering that went into writing that column? Um, sorry, I think I went somewhere else for a second. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state -state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com, but if you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives and Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings, it's the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complimentary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. 
Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Want to make a positive move in the housing market? Replace your siding and windows. You'll improve your home's look and energy efficiency, too. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for your remodeling and energy needs. Siding, windows, solar and wind power, and more. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Gentlemen, welcome to the the Mike Novak Lounge. The Mike, right? <laughs> the smooth jazz sounds of Thelonious Monk. You changed into your leadership. Actually, he would never have used the term smooth jazz, you know, because smooth jazz has come to mean elevator music, basically, and that was not Thelonious Monk. But he has a connection. Yes, he does. To our next guests. Uh, and they are uh, Megan Wells and Scott Jones. Megan is uh, appearing in turn here, Sweet Corn, the play. It's a one-person show, one-woman show, based on the book by Atina Diffley. And Scott Jones is the director. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. Thank you. It's great to have you here in the studio. And Scott and I, okay, we go back a ways uh, to the days when I was doing, well, when I had my own theater company called The Commons Theater. And he was involved in, and I can't believe when you, when you wrote to me, Scott, and you, you mentioned this show, The Comedy of Horrors, which I directed. Yeah. And it was based on The Comedy of Errors, Shakespeare's The Comedy of Errors, except it was, we brought it up to date. It was a bizarre little show. Uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, you know you, some, some are winners and some are losers and some are bizarre. Well, anytime you put uh, the character Balthazar as... Peter Laurie, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was the idea. We took these characters and we used iconic horror film characters. The best scene ever, and you know this, was the Frankenstein scene. Oh, <clears throat> unbelievable. I mean, I wish I had a video of this. Okay, let me, let me set the stage for you. Frankenstein is on stage, okay? And it's, and it's a guy who is like six foot six, and he had the Frankenstein makeup on, and he's sitting at a typewriter. And uh, he starts typing, and there's an LED overhead. And this is way in the early days of that sort of thing. And the fact that we were even able to get an LED, like it was like 1986 or something. And it, it and, and as he starts typing, the words come across. It was a dark and stormy night. And Frankenstein stops, and he goes, mm. 
And he nods his head as like, good. So he reaches into his pocket. He pulls out a pack of cigarettes. And he goes, and he pulls the cigarette out, and he puts the cigarette in his mouth. And he lights the lighter, and and, and is frightened by the uh, flame on the best scene in this. Show. It was hilarious. It, yeah. Just, I mean, th- th- that was worth the price of admission. Totally. So, uh, so that that's our connection, and it goes it goes way back. And then Scott writes me, and he says, "Hey, I'm directing this play, um, and I'll be I'll be honest with you, I had not heard of Atina Diffley. I was not familiar with her." Although I should have been, probably, because I discuss local food issues and organic food issues uh, on this show all the time. But um, you sent me the script. Thank you for that. And mm-hmm. uh, Peggy and I both read it. Mm-hmm. In fact, she's got the book here the, that the, it's based on. Right. Um, and it's called uh, Turn Here Sweet Corn. What's the subtitle? Uh, organic Farming Works. Organic Farming Works. And it's... It's, it's, you know, I haven't seen, I, I normally, if I bring in an actor or talk about a play, I would love to have seen it. So I know, but I know you are only doing four performances for this world premiere and you hope more happen. Yeah. Uh, but tell me about a little bit about the evolution of this, how you came to this property and, and, and how you two started working together on this. Well, I've known Megan since uh, university days back in the early eighties. So we were just talking about that on our way in. Uh, we've been friends for 35 years. And uh, Megan is a uh, sort of famous storyteller. And uh, she was doing a, a production in the Minnesota area where the <clears throat> playwright was uh, where he lives and resides and does his work. And he had seen And, and that's Jim Stowell. That's Jim Stowell. And that's he correct. Did, and he did the adaptation of the book. That's correct. And he saw Megan, and he had done this adaptation. He said, Megan, you got to do this. So the, the project comes to me via Megan. So I'll mm-hmm. let her bring her uh, wisdom into that because, yeah, she brought it to me. Okay. And, and tell us how it happened. That's exactly right. Jim Stowell contacted me, and he said, I'm... I, please, please, please read this. And I was in the midst of crazy busy. Uh-huh. Three months later, another email. Please, please, please read this. <laughs> I'll get to it. i get to it. I finally read it. I called him. I was like, this is just crazy good. This is crazy, crazy important to do. It's like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, so, uh, let me let me tell you something. If 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 somebody had sent me that script and I, I picked it up and, and read it, I'll say, when do we start? Let's, yeah, let's, that's how I yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly that's right. Yeah. I'm looking at this fabulous mural behind. You You should all see this mural behind Mike. Oh, they've all seen it. Believe me, anybody who <laughs> looks at our Facebook page sees this photo all the time. You know, this The goal but, of a revolutionary artist is to make the revolution irresistible, and that is Atina Diffley in a nutshell. Uh-huh. That what she does is she takes her life experience and she has such uh, spirit and soul and uh, smart. She's crazy Well, smart. obviously, you know, you can and, tell. By, well, and, and, of course, I, I, like I said, I haven't read the book. Now that's next for me. Mm-hmm. I've only read the adaptation mm-hmm. of the book. So, you know, you get a whole different feeling from, from, mm-hmm. from uh, a book. But um, you can tell that the intelligence mm-hmm. shines through. There is so much to organic farming that people don't even begin to know and when you read the book it takes you so deeply into everything that's involved but 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 what's interesting is that doesn't really that's not really part of the script no i think the the script is that 
make the revolution irresistible. Mm -hmm. It is by the power mm -hmm. of a story that you wake up to the importance of our soil. Soil versus oil is the catchphrase. You wake up to the importance of the soil. And I, we, our hope is it's going to drive people right to read the whole book. All right, you've got to find the quote. One of us has to find the quote. Um, Roosevelt, FDR. What, what, what did he say about soil? It's a country that loses its soil, loses its soul, or yes, something yes, like that. Yes, you know? yeah. Right. yeah, I don't right. remember exactly yeah, what it was. That's right. So the story is a woman who is a jazz piano player at 17, 18. Hence wants the to Thelonious, be Thelonious Monk. Yes. Yep. White time. girl, Thelonious Monk of the Fields. And what she's grown up on uh, with good Wisconsin loam and wants to be a farmer and falls into the organic world. and Well, falls in love, and at first it's, it's a dead end, you know. Uh, I mean, she, she, what's interesting is that she, she knows what she wants to do all along, but the, the, the way to get there uh, tends not to be a straight line. Well, at, later in the story, she, there's a moment where they have to move, and she says to Martin, we've got to move, we've got to go buy a new farm, and he just says straight up to her, there's no such thing as a new farm in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so this, there very little straight line. Uh, you know, but, and I want to buy a farm. I think I'll call my real estate agent and we'll go look at farms exactly. and we'll just buy a new one. Yeah. No. <laughs> Three years later, they're yeah. still looking. So this Martin that she meets and, and marries and becomes her true partner is on a plot of land in Egan, just outside of Minneapolis, 20 minutes south of Minneapolis, is this huge organic farm. Gardens of Egan. Gardens of Egan. And, and so I, they're and feeding just, the city local sourced organic food, but yeah. assessments are coming. But, 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 but the thing is, when I was reading the play, and the first thing that she describes is seeing, being able to see the tallest building in Minneapolis from the farm. Yes. And alarm bells went off in my head. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That farm's not going to last. Yeah. It's yeah. too close to the city. If you can see right. the tallest building, yeah. you're done. You're cooked because of, of urban sprawl. Right. It's going to ha- And that's exactly what that's happens exactly to that. That's exactly what happens to yeah. them. So it's a fourth-generation family farm, the Diffley Farms. And they have their son there. So now it's fifth generation mm-hmm. Diffley Farms. The water assessments come through. They sell it to school. And they then have to live through three years of development. Of all around them as it gets closer and closer them. and closer to their home. Bulldozing, bulldozing, bulldozing. Yeah, the encroachment comes in and just demolishes I mean, it, 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 talk about hell on earth. That, that is my definition of hell on earth. And is that your family farm, not only is it being devoured, you have to be there and, and watch it and experience it and hear it and feel it for three years. What's miraculous is that Atina and Martin, in that hell and in that devastation, mm-hmm. oh, just keep farming. Yeah. So through their community connections, they find 18 plots within a 30-mile distance, and they load up their trucks, and they go, like migrant farmers, uh, to keep the organic supply to the city's people. Because they, they still live. have, at the end of the driveway, they have a farm stand. Yeah, the roadside right. stand. The roadside stand. And that's the name of the book. The sign that brings you to that famous Minneapolis roadside stand says, Turn here, sweet corn, because they do have the sweetest corn in Minnesota. Oh, yeah? Prove it. 
We'll just have to go. We'll just have to go. Yeah. When I finished the first act, I I um, was ready to jump off a tall building. So um, yeah. yeah. Now, and the first act but, just prepares you for yeah, the second act the second. because right, what she learns from surviving that, they do find another uh, farm oh. that's been abandoned for five years. So they take over this farm. And it takes them a full year just to get rid of the old buildings. That when they walk into the barn, there's, as she says, there's, there's uh, coyote feces all the way up to her knees. This is coyote base camp. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, the, the the first night there is about the coyotes yes. marching around the house and the and and letting That's the tree. Oh, there and there's the tree. Yeah. Uh, and and making their presence felt and saying you you're taking over our this yeah. is where we live. I this is our you, home. You did exactly. to us what Yeah. Yeah. I, but but uh, and 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 uh, Peggy just uh, opened the book here uh, uh, and showed me the photo of the subdivision yes. that arose and where the farm was and it the farm is dwarfed. It's a one yeah. acre. One, yeah. They are all the way down to one That's acre, which is the house and the amazing roadside stand. But yeah. they completely survive. And as she calls her daughter Chicory, Eliza Chicory, because Chicory survives in rough soil, and they are Chicory. Mm-hmm. They survive in that rough soil, and they grow stronger. And then they find another place in Eureka Township, which the soil is actually better than the soil that they had in the Egan's farm. And so they lay in for a good 12 years, and that's when Act 2 really mm-hmm. turn here, Act 2, because the Minnesota pipeline now decides that they have to come through their property. Right. After all this, and that's that, and that's why you know I'm, I want to jump off the tall building, is because uh, all this horrible stuff happens to them. And then we get to Act 2, and they get their new farm, and then the pipeline people say, hey, we're going to build right through the middle of your organic farm, and um, it's deja vu all over again. Yeah, and exactly. she is so ready. She's so ready for this fight. That's the that's the beauty of the Act 2. Is by the time this fight arrives to her, she's just ready. She's already been through three years of bulldozers. She finds this incredible lawyer, Paula Maccabee, who works completely within the legal system. She says, I don't fight to be right. I fight to win. But within the system, we're staying within the law. And that's an extraordinary example for us in our time. So they take on Coke Industries, yeah, not the, the Coke drink. Brothers. The yeah, Coke wait. Brothers. Yeah. Oh, let's ding, give them a ding for that. Ding, ding. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. K-O-C-H Industries. And they battle. What would we do for, for villains if we didn't have the Coke Brothers? I, I'm not sure anymore. Yeah. And, and, and in this particular story, uh, in this particular story, they fight hard, but nobody gets bloody. Nobody gets bloody, and I think it's because it actually works out. Yeah, and her yeah. lawyer meet them head on, so strong, like the burrow tree in their yard. I mean, just unstoppable. And the the level of family support and community support comes out in droves. Uh-huh. And so the win, it's it's it is about them saving their family farm, but it's really about that this fight allows her to the, create the a. IMP, the, a mitigation plan to protect organic farmers in Minnesota. 
Has that been used so uh, elsewhere winning, in the yeah, country? Absolutely. Uh, and, absolutely. And 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 that, and that's and that's the important thing is that she makes real lemonade yeah. out of these she lemons. Right. I mean, she not not, not only survive, right. not only do they survive, but they create something important yes. out of this. Yes. And I'm not going to say whether they save the farm. Because people want to come and see this, don't they? Yeah, they definitely well, yeah. want to come and see it, it. This book, this whole thing makes you fall crazy in love with soil. There, just her writing and her voice. Mm-hmm. What you learn, like, there's one little segment where the tomatoes in the greenhouse get visited by aphids. And no, they're not going to go use Monsanto Roundup. No, they just put the tomato plants on the back of the truck and they drive it out to the vetch field. The vetch is planted to protect the kale, the the baby kale, and pull the truck up. And all the ladybugs that live on the vetch fly off the vetch onto all the tomatoes in the back of the truck and eat all the aphids, clean them right up. And then they just drive the truck back into the greenhouse. No Roundup, no chemicals, maybe $15. People in, don't get the diesel. economics yeah. of organics is crazy better. Crazy better for the farmer. It's mm-hmm. cheaper. That's actually not – that part wasn't in the play, was it? That's yeah, not the play. No, no, no. Okay, that's okay. That's no, on the book. book. I didn't, I didn't you know, remember that. The play would be that. like yeah. eight hours. Yeah, I know. Okay. Oh, so much. Although what I found but, really interesting was the play is <laughs> – is dire- directly taken. Yes. Everything's direct yes. from Jim the Yes, Jim is a neighbor of Atina and went respectfully and mm-hmm. said, yeah. I, I love what you wrote, and but it has to be culled down. Okay, yes. but, but, well, we have to talk about process just a little bit here because we don't have a whole lot of time here. Uh, you're a storyteller by yes. trade. Mm-hmm, by trade. Uh, and by the way, uh, that is Megan Wells uh, in the studio along with Scott Jones. Uh, the name of the play is Turn Here Sweet Corn. It's a uh, world premiere this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, at the um, Madison, Madison Street, Street Theater. Street Theater. Street Sorry. Theater. Thank In you. In Oak Park. In Oak Park. Uh, what was that process like? Because it's uh, a, a one-person show is different from different kinds of play. It's There's... There are some things about it that are a lot harder because one person has to grab the audience and hold them for the entire time. Yeah, it's very true. Um, the the really great thing about Megan as a storyteller is that her storytelling is very character-driven. So she's used to, um, just in her process, she has dialogue with herself as two different characters. So the split personality thing that she has normally in day-to-day life, no, just kidding, uh, <laughs> comes into play. No, she's she's great at having that dialogue between two characters. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I have tried, and I think we've done really great, uh, is drive the characters. And so for Megan... Yeah, you have to create them. Yeah. You know, they have to be as real as the Atina Diffley character. Right. Right, and then the rest, for me at least, is making sure that the picture looks right on stage, that Megan feels comfortable with the dialogue, and that everything sort of just works together, which is kind of what a director does, I guess. So. <laughs> but it's so simple. Simple. Yeah. Simple. Uh, and what – so give me a, just a couple of the challenges for you in, in doing this. Obviously, you had a wonderful oh, script, and that's yeah. a great place yeah. to start. It but it's also kind of intimidating too. Right. The, the, the biggest challenge is that the second act, you're going through a legal process. And you're, you're listening and you're watching. You're not reading the book. And so going through that legal process as a listener is my 
uh, it's my job to keep you there, keep you in, keep you on the drive of this conflict. And it's a lot of legal words. Oh. So it can get real boring words. and real so dragged it, down. We, Interesting, we, yeah. So we've, we've worked hard to keep it But what it about the, uh, the emotion in it? I mean, there's, there's a lot of yes. raw emotion there is. Uh, in this. How yes. do you control it? Control it. Because um, yeah, that's the actor's job. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, I'll tell you, I can tell you one thing. Um, uh, some of us back in the day when we were doing theater, we would go <laughs> to a, a play and um, watch an actor oh. uh, cry yeah. on stage. And usually that, that did it. That cut me off from the play because I go, oh, they're just, they're just acting. Yes. All right, they're they're sh- they're proving they can cry on stage. That doesn't tell me anything. I agree with you. You know, sometimes you. you know, sometimes it's important to cry on stage, but just doing it all the time is just showing off in well, a way. The the goal of the play, the goal, the job of an actor is to create the emotion in the audience. Exactly. That's where the emotion emotion lives. <laughs> so yeah. if you're having in them on stage in any way that truncates or cuts off what the the audience needs to feel. Then you're not doing your job. Yeah, yeah. You can't short circuit the audience. Right. right. Wow, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you get it. Right. Because that is your job is right. is to they bring won't. them along and allow them to do their own work yeah. on yeah. the play. Don't spoon feed them. Yeah. Well, Let them not, figure it out. They don't want to sit there and watch you no. have emotions on stage. They they want to have their own emotions. If your emotions on stage trigger and invite and welcome their emotions, then you're right on target. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'm going to encourage, I'm going to go see this. Uh, and I encourage others to go see Turn Here Sweet Corn. Um, again, at the world premiere at the Madison Street Theater. What are your plans for afterward? You, you obviously you've got four performances now. That's really quick. Yeah. It's just an audition for something else? Well, well yeah, get yeah, it on kinda, its feet. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to get it on its feet. Um, the, the goal is to get it uh, possibly as a touring show. Um, we definitely want to take it to a, a larger venue, uh, either in downtown Chicago or New York or Minnesota, wherever we can get it. You know, It's, mm-hmm. it's such a great piece, and it's an important piece. So that's the goal. It is, and, uh, and, and I have a feeling it's going to be brilliant. I mean, I just... I haven't seen it, um, uh, but uh, just talking to you guys, you you, you get it, and um, and the piece is very good, and it's now it's kind of up to you to put all everything together, all the elements together, and make exactly. it work. The main thing I want your audience to know is that it's inspiring. It's a, there are some. It's a hard story to go through, and you come out. This is happy ever after inspiration. Yeah, yeah that's great. It, it is inspiring. Thank you so much, Scott Jones and Megan Wells. Thanks and, for having us. Really, oh, uh, my awesome. pleasure. We'll have to do it again sometime. We'll, we'll let's we'll follow what happens to the play and keep everybody posted. Awesome. Thanks, All right. Guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Captain's log, started four two three two six point one. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mister Wolf, status report: Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. 
Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, on Q4 Radio, and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. There's, uh, it's crazy in here. I love live radio for the very reason that we have uh, this morning is having great people uh, like Scott and Megan in the studio and uh, also uh, folks like Mitch McNeil from Surf Rider Chicago who's just walked in. How are you, Mitch? Hey, good morning. <laughs> it's good to see you again. <laughs> uh, he and I are, are, are uh, we're back in the trenches uh, in the plastic bag days, uh, the wars for the plastic bags, which we lost. Um, and um, we got a really bad bill. And um, we can thank Alderman Joe Moreno for that. And, uh, but uh, we're still fighting the good fight. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's, it, it ain't over, okay? No. It ain't over. Um, uh, and one of the things that's happening is while we were uh, uh, talking to, to Scott and Megan, I, I got a phone call, and I think it's uh, from, okay, Joseph Chasing Horse. Uh, did uh, Peggy, did, uh, did he call us? Yes, he did, and he is waiting for you to call him back. Oh, my goodness. So Live on the air. Whoa. How cool is that? Uh, and uh, uh, because we are, so we're bringing the two issues together here on the show. The Dakota Access Pipeline, the Enbridge Five, a thousand miles apart where the actions are taking place. You know, if you go to the Straits of Mackinac and you go to Cannonball, North Dakota, this is pretty cool. Uh, and um, there are different organizations working on different things for in one case with the Dakota Access Pipeline if you've been following the news and a lot of you haven't because it hasn't it's only been reported in any detail in the last 3 or 4 days really right right yeah, yeah it's uh, i mean if if you're on the alternative the alternate uh, uh uh services and and a lot of you follow on Facebook and and whatever uh, you've seen more of this, and you've been able to do that. And, and that's the beauty of social media in the 21st century, is that you can get your, you can do an end around the corporate media that just refuses to cover these things. Uh, and then it makes them cover it. 
And then you start to see it in the corporate media. So now the New York Times has gotten involved. I've seen articles in The Guardian. I've seen um, uh, The Hill did a, a thing on it. And I'm like, okay, it's mainstream. Here we are. They're actually talking about Dakota Access Pipeline and stopping it. Now I'm not seeing the uh, pipe out protest though that really i haven't seen much about that uh mitch um and that is the local one to stop to to get the enbridge company to stop piping oil under the straits of mackinac yeah we're um we're pushing the word out right now uh we've received a little bit of uh internet ink on a, a site called dna info oh good yeah and they they cover oh, a lot dna of, info is good they cover yeah. a lot of stuff they're uh, oh, good. Joseph uh, wants to call in about five to ten minutes. Good. We will get to him. So we can start with Mitch here, and then we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and, and we actually have, and I hope she's uh, listening because uh, um, Jenny Pate Huffman, I've been communicating with, uh, just a, a, a Facebook friend and a friend of the show, um, is very interested in the uh, Dakota Access pipeline issue and i think she's going to call in too because she's been doing watching a lot of what goes on uh jenny wait till after we get uh uh joseph chasing horse on the uh uh a show and then uh, and then give us a call as well let's start with uh, very quickly with what's going on here in chicago and in michigan uh and the enbridge five line which folks should know it's a pipeline and there's actually two of them this splits off into two pipelines that go under the straits of mackinac uh, which is, if you live in the state of Michigan, is iconic, okay? I grew up in Michigan. And where did we go for vacation? To the Straits. Mm-hmm. And sit there and watch the bridge light up. Uh, and on thir- it would light up in one direction uh, all week, and then I think on Thursday it would light in a different, the backwards direction. I mean, it's a beautiful bridge. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the, the Mackinac Bridge is uh, one of the great wonders of the world. I love when you're driving north up the highway and it's dark, 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 and then you see the two red lights. On the towers, on and the bridge, like, yeah. Ooh, and it's like, oh, city, I'm almost there. It's like the, now the third or fourth largest suspension bridge in the world. Um, and at one time, it was the largest. Uh, but it also represents technology because what's it for? It's for cars, for cars who use oil. All right. So really, for all the beauty it brings, it is representative of what we're fighting against here in, in, with the Enbridge Pipeline. So these two pipes go under Straits Mackinac. They're 63 years old. Right. They were uh, laid in uh, 1960. Oh, wait a second. No, I thought they was 53 is, 53. What, I, oh, is okay. what I've read. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, anyhow, they were given a 40 oh. to 50 year lifespan. Yeah. And uh, here we are, you know, well past 60. Yeah. And um, as many safeguards as you uh, install on a pipe like that, um, corrosion is your your big enemy and of course it is and you know and the water even though it's not salt water thank god it's fresh water i guess because the corrosion would be even worse but um on the uh there's a organization called oil and water don't mix and you can go to oil and water don't mix.org and they have a little uh gif on there of diving under the straits and uh i was um quoting them and lifting some of the text which i attribute to them and the gift came with it and i went oh i'm keeping that on my blog that's so cool and you can see the divers under there and where the supports have collapsed on the for the pipeline i mean it's this kind of thing and 
Peggy last night, like 1130 last night, sent me this article. Uh, we've been going back and forth on this and trying to line up people for days uh, to talk on the show. Uh, and it's called Why Michigan Won't Shut Down the Mackinac Straits Oil Pipeline. And it's MLive that did it. And MLive is usually a pretty responsible news outfit. Um, and basically, they line up the reasons. And, and against the pipeline, there's, well, Enbridge as a company has a bad track record. Check. Um, the pipeline's 63 years old. Check. Um, Enbridge has had bad spills. There have been spills in the past, and, and all pipes leak eventually. Check. On the side where they say the pipeline is going to stay, it's, well, we have an agreement. And that's basically the argument. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on the left here, we have 20% of the fresh water in the world. On the right, well, we have an agreement. There you uh, go. Uh, uh, really? That's the best you got? And it says a court order would be, quote, extraordinary action against a line that isn't leaking. You know, and that's the other thing, against a line that isn't leaking. So we'll wait till it leaks, whether it's catastrophically or not, but we'll wait till it leaks and then we'll do something. This is why we're screwed. Okay. And this is why there's actions like the pipe out protest in Chicago and the one in the Straits. So tell me about the, that protest on this Thursday, Mitch. Uh, well, we'll be gathering at Montrose at about six to uh, check in or register. And um, we're partnering with uh, Kayak Chicago. They're going to be supplying us any gear we need in terms of kayaks oh, really? and stand up paddle boards for people who don't bring their own. Yeah. And uh, Sierra Club will be there. And um, we also have a partner in Patagonia. They've been helping us a lot mm-hmm. for these events. And um, we will uh, assemble and paddle out information, display whatever banner or message we have, take a picture, paddle around, get wet. Maybe there's some waves. Maybe we surf. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know what the weather's going to be like out there. Right now, they're forecasting uh, northeast winds 15 to 20, which, w- which would give us some swell. Yeah, so, it would. So we could be uh, multitasking with this We'll event. sail down. <laughs> and, and that would just be swell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do Daffy Duck. Um, Is that what that was? Yeah, that's what it was. That's why they have the screen on the mic here. <laughs> so we're gathering to raise awareness. And I mean, that's job number one. Yeah, it is. Uh, and this is a, a smaller action than the one in the Straits, right? Because they, they, they've done this before up there and had a pretty good turnout, haven't right. they? Right, yeah. It's a, it's a local issue for them. Well, of course. <laughs> well, you know, that's not true, though. It's a local issue for us as well. I'm right. sorry. It, it, really, it really, really is. We're all Great Lakes community uh, members here. Right. We're all on the Great Lakes. We're on Lake Michigan. Uh, if it gets... Uh, if oil starts pouring in there, it affects us all. Yeah, let's talk about a spill. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Well, uh, let's look at the... I don't want to talk about no. a spill, but uh, go Well, ahead. let's scare everybody just a little bit, huh? All right. Sure. Okay. Why not? So the Put straits, the fear of God into them. What are the straits? It's a, it's a waterway connecting Huron with Michigan. Right. So Which what you, is one and the same, basically. Yeah, it's, it's one body of water, but it's, it, it goes through a, a narrow, mm-hmm. you know, six-mile-wide channel there. So what you have is tremendous surge back and forth 
as these two giant bodies of water seek equilibrium. And mm-hmm. huge so, currents through yeah. there carrying the water. So any spill there is going to get dispersed to the east and west and back and forth. It's going yeah, exactly. to max a, out. Exactly, exactly. And how do you contain that? You know, um, we've, as we've found in the Gulf of Mexico, we don't know. We, don't, we still do not have the technology to contain spills. So they've, they've um, already done some uh, studies of a response, and the Coast Guard has basically washed their hands. They say, we really can't help in this situation very much. And any waves over three feet high will prevent any response action from starting. So, you know, weather is going to slow it down. And if it happens in the winter and there's ice, well... Well, yeah, it's like... Uh, <laughs> nothing's you happening. You know, and, and, and think about the folks that uh, wanted to drill in the Arctic and how stupid that was and how seriously the government was, was taking that. I mean... It, we just do all these stupid things, and then bad things happen, and then we say, well, who could have predicted that? that nobody could have predicted that. Or they're, they're managing risk on some sort of actuary table where the spill will happen, and they'll manage it, and we'll pay the fine and move on and create another spill. I mean, look at the Kalamazoo River spill. Which was, was Enbridge, line six. Right. Enbridge has <laughs> quite a track record. Well, you know, and that's a really good point. Um, if you want to just put it all in perspective, ask the folks in Kalamazoo and Marshall, Michigan, how they're doing. Five years, what is it, five years now after the spill? Um, and, you know, is it, is it cleaned up? Are you, are you still finding tar balls? Uh, and they are. Right. Uh, and um, it was, uh, it's kind of typical, actually. Ask the right. folks in North Dakota. Enbridge's response to that spill was both slow, took them 17 hours to acknowledge that it existed. And then uh, beyond that, the, what the cleanup was characterized as sort of a Keystone Cop operation. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There's their history. So, there's this that. is why there's this action called Pipe Out Protest Chicago with kayaks. In the lake, um, and I and I, if I missed it, I apologize. Uh, other kinds of craft going to be there as well. Well, yeah, anything that floats, basically. Okay, Bring that's it. what I'm hoping. Yeah, you got your I got a I got a raft <laughs> that. Yeah, I got a, I got I strapped together a couple of logs that. Uh, uh, I had a couple of people saying, "Hey, can we bring our sunfish down?" Yeah, anything. I mean, it's it's wide open. I'm inviting swimmers. Yeah. Good. They, they float. I, I want to get outrigger Chicago there if possible. All right. Well, with the forty-two foot. There you go. I am putting in a call. And he's very soft-spoken. Joseph Chasing Horse, uh, who's a Sundance Tribal Ceremonial Elder. Hello. Hello. Uh, is this Joseph Chasing Horse? Yes, this is Joseph. Hi, Joseph. It's Mike Novak from the Mike Novak Show. How are you this morning? And you're on the air. Just fine. Good. Yes, you're on the air, so don't say anything bad. All right, don't say any bad words. No, we're just kidding. It, it is so good to talk to you, and thank you uh, for calling this morning. I'm glad uh, you're available. Where are you today? I'm in right here in the Black Hills of South Dakota. So you obviously you're you know within striking distance of going over to Cannonball. Um, what's the uh, what do you know about the situation this morning uh, uh, on the, on the site of the action? Well, I've been helping in, in a spiritual way 
in which uh, there have been many groups that have been coming through, and I've been uh, smudging them off with sweet grass, and then I'll send them on to uh, they visit some of the sacred sites here in the Black Hills, and then I send them on to Cannonball. And uh, right now the, the the camp is growing every day, and uh, they have until the uh, the ninth of September when there will be a district uh, judge that will make a ruling. And so uh, we are uh, in the process of generating uh, more support. I've uh, met with spiritual leaders the other night. We had ceremony, and we were instructed uh, to let the public know that there are ways in which uh, they can support. And we are going on a online uh through social media, a day of prayer for all people. And this is for the water of life. And so this is not just in a, an Indian issue. This is uh, in behalf of all the people that have come to this island here, what we call America today. But long ago, it was known as the heart of all that is. And there is uh, foretold of a time when all the different colors of mankind, the different races would come here to this island in search of their, their religious freedom. And, and we as red people, as indigenous people, earth people of this island, we were instructed to teach all the people that came here to, to live in balance, to live in harmony, to, to respect and appreciate the freedom that we, we, we have. And so we as spiritual leaders are uh, uh, given the responsibility to learn these protective ways of nature and learn it from our uh, elders and to practice it and then pass it down to the next generation, which these teachings have been coming for, for thousands and thousands of years. And we are the original caretakers. We have trust responsibilities with the federal government through treaty rights, through uh, religious freedom rights, that we have responsibility to protect these sacred sites, to protect the water, to protect the air and all of the, the sacred lands here for future generations to come. And so we call on all people to come and pray on that day, on the ninth day uh, of September, for all the people to fill their pipes, the sacred pipe, the way of life, from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South. We have a sacred land here to protect, a, a way of life here to protect. So we are calling on all people to, to pray on that day, to pass the message can, for Mother Earth. Can I let me ask you a question here? What happens if the judge uh, in Washington D.C. rules against uh, the uh, the tribes there? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? There will be dire consequences. From the beginning of time, uh, our forefathers have foretold until they chop the last tree until they, they pollute the last river, only then we will know, only then we, we will learn that we cannot eat money. Uh, well, that, that's absolutely true. You know, there seems to be a, a disagreement 
uh, among, uh, well, between the company and the, the people who are fighting the effort uh, to put the pipeline in, um, the company and the government and the Corps of Engineers claims that all of the, they, they did their due diligence and they um, got permission to put the pipe in, but that, according to the protesters who are there, does not seem to be the case. Yes, because it's a historical fact that uh, when these type of developments take place, never the tribes ever consulted. And we have a record, a history of that, of done type of treaty violations, those type of human rights violations that continue to this day among our, among our people here today in the heart of, of America, in the heart of what you call the land of the free. And yet indigenous people have paid the price from the time that we have, uh, they took 68 millions of acres of land in the 1800s to the time of the discovery of gold. We balanced the budget in this country. Yeah, you and I uh, uh, had a, a discussion the other day, and you mentioned the gold and how you have that the tribes have never taken a dime for all the gold that was stolen from them in the Black Hills. Yes, we have one of the longest court cases in the history of the United States called the Black Hills Land Issue, Docket 74B and Docket 74A in the legal court system. We have never accepted one dime. And in fact, that money is generating in a U.S. Treasury's account. It's billions of dollars. But we cannot accept the money. We want the return and the protection of the land for future generations, for all people. Uh, let me ask you a little bit about, uh, I know that you said, by the way, you were mentioning the sweetgrass. We've, we've got some here in the studio. All right. Uh, Mitch brought from uh, uh, Surfrider Chicago brought some in. It's, that's interesting stuff, Mitch. It's the uh, incense of the Great Plains. It's great. It's, mm-hmm. it's lovely. In fact, uh, we better not light it here. I think we'll get in trouble. Well, my question to you, Joseph Chasing Horse, is uh, there are thousands of people and likely to be more. Are more people coming every day? And are they safe? Do they have water? Do they have provisions? Well, we just had uh, in contact with a group, a tribe out of California, from the Morongo tribe that had uh, come through with a truck full of supplies and uh, <clears throat> mainly food, uh, camping gear, and uh, and that sort. And we have another group that came in from Arizona with uh, f- uh, supplies of food. And so <clears throat> there are uh, uh, supports coming in from the four directions and uh, from uh, all over. And so... Uh, they are generating more support as that day comes near. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for your uh, coming on the program. We would like to keep uh, in touch as this changes because we know that the the decision will be made in uh, Washington, D.C. on the 9th of uh, September, uh, and uh, things will change then. Uh, Meanwhile, how can people support your effort well, we are calling for uh, an international day of prayer and all, for all the tribes to, to send out their prayers, uh, to contact their uh, representatives, and also we are encouraging those that can to beat their drums 
the drum is the heartbeat, is a symbol of the heartbeat of Mother Earth. And so we are calling on all tribes to beat their drums on that day on the nearest federal buildings that they can come in contact with. You will hear the, the heartbeat, the beat of the, of the Mother Earth of the drum nationwide. Uh, Joseph Chasing Horse, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to be back in touch with you. I hope that we can talk again uh, soon. And uh, we, we're going to keep track of the story and the discussion at the Dakota Access Pipeline. And um, uh, we'll talk again. Thank you very much, uh, Mike. And, and our prayers go out to, to you and to all people that can create a voice for the people on the ground there. All right, we will. Uh, we're going to get the word out here in Chicago, and I hope it helps. Thank you. Aho. Bye bye. We're a- adding a drum to our ceremony. Okay, I think you should. <laughs> I think you will need to uh, along with this add uh, a drum to it. Uh, and I think we actually uh, have a, another call coming in. Hello, you're on the Mike Novak show. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you? This is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I'm good this morning. How are you? Um. Uh, fabulous, and I'm, I'm so glad you called. You've been following this, and I know you and I have been communicating on uh, Facebook for the for a few days now. Ever you know since this thing started to get some national notice, and even before then, you were writing and saying, "Hey, where's where's all the coverage?" Um, right. How is it that you're involved in the uh, situation with the Dakota Access Pipeline? Um, just as a concerned citizen. You know, um, I've been actually uh, getting involved since the XL pipeline, ah. all of that, and all of the um, the Facebook uh, feeds for um, Indigenous News Network, and all of that. I've been keeping up with that, and then you know, and then this this comes up was like uh, two or three weeks ago, so and evidently these. Uh, People have been out there since April, May. Oh yeah, that's that's the other thing. They're, they've been out there a long time, uh, long time, and, long time. And, and go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, where do you where have you been getting your information about this? I've been getting my information from uh, the native networks, the uh, Facebook pages that they have up. And which ones you do you have, go to? Uh, Lakota uh, County Times, and you have um, all kinds. There's all kinds of access out there which I didn't know, and I'm finding out more and more now, because you're not going to find this on the mainstream media. No. Which I just totally don't understand. I get it. I know why they're being, you know, blacked out, but it's ridiculous. This yeah. Is, we're, this is history in the making, and we got a front row seat. Well, give me, give me. And the majority s- of the people have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's why there are people like you, and why I'm really glad that... Uh, uh, you're following this. If you don't mind giving us some specifics on some of those sites, because then some of our listeners might be able to go there as well. Oh, sure. You got Red Warrior Camp. Red Warrior Camp. Uh, Indi- Red Warrior Camp. You it, got uh, Indigenous Network News. Uh, and and th- are those uh, Facebook pages? Yes, Facebook pages. The Indigenous News Network has uh, an email that you can subscribe to as well. Yes. For weekly updates. Yeah. Right. And once you get on those and then you uh, start getting more information from them, you know how they pull up underneath the, yeah. and Indi- right there on the Facebook. Yeah. Indian Country Today is another major one. Yes. Yes. 
Oh, definitely. Wow. Our own Peggy's. Uh, you're on, oh, she's there right now. She's online uh, right this second. The other thing you wrote to me about that was kind of interesting, Jenny, uh, was this wish list that yes. the protesters have out there, and you called it uh, an Amazon uh, wish list. Um, yes, and that's I'm, what they that's what they put up on Amazon for the things that uh, they need, which is pretty big stuff. You know, they need. Uh, uh, the batteries, uh, 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 the solar-powered energy, because um, sure. the state of North Dakota took away water release trucks. They uh, it took away a lot of the um, things that they needed just to you know keep the people healthy. They took away the medical tents. You yeah. know, now, and been, um, from the surrounding areas yeah. that they're getting help from. You know, right? The state has totally pulled out everything. Um, they're supposed to protect the people as citizens, but well, know. well, well. One of the things I want to say about that is, okay, I went to Snopes. dot com uh, because I, 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 this came up about the cutting off the water, uh, and the question on Snopes was: uh, social media rumors report water was cut off to Native Americans protesting against Dakota Access Pipeline. And Snopes says it's mostly false. It says here, the state supplied two supplemental water tanks as part of an ongoing support for tribal protests, but those tanks were removed after they were determined to be at a secondary site outside the state's jurisdiction. What's false is neither the state of North Dakota nor the Federal Department of Homeland Security cut off the water supply to protesters, and the state provided aid and support to Native American protesters situated on a legal encampment. I'm not there. I'm and not there's on. There's a lot of conflicting stuff. Sure. That, but yeah. that's what Snopes is yeah. saying. Okay. And there's legal encampment versus they were right. on. Right. Exactly. Government land. So the difference is, I suppose, where you are. Mm-hmm. And of course, the government uh, would like to have you in a little circle with a cage around it. And, uh, but uh, yeah. and I don't know exactly what they're doing there. But I want to get back very quickly to the Amazon list because some of the interesting things. The, the, this is the Red Warrior Camp wish list, and I can give you the link to this if you want, uh, Peggy. If uh, it's it's interesting, but like the Palette Men's T seven hundred five G outdoor waterproof sports quartz digital wrist watch with LED backlight twenty two ninety nine. Uh, the Solomark. This is the one that got me. Solomark night vision monocular. Blue infrared illuminator allows viewing in the dark, records images and video, $142.99. But I can see why they might be requesting that. Of course they would. Yeah. And some some of the other stuff in there. It's just very interesting stuff. When I spoke with a couple of the people when we were trying to line up some guests from um, Indigenous News Network, they were very concerned with people coming by at night trying to cut off communications. I could see why they might want something like that yeah so uh what do you, uh, do you have any new information for us jenny about uh the the encampment uh, this morning have you been reading this morning um just that more people keep on coming so it, it's, you know, they've, they've, um, they've not the been discouraged or we got the crow nation that came in yesterday we have black lives matters representation hmm. uh that uh, showed up yesterday um as far as this morning i haven't really uh, I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> where where are you, you, Jenny? So, 
I haven't really, uh, ha- I haven't had a chance to, you know, check that out just yet. Yeah, yeah. We're, but, we're, um, we're, I'm glad that you got to talk to, um, who was that you were talking to early? Joseph Chasing Horse. And also yes, Mitch, Mitch yes. McNeil. And Mitch McNeil too. is here from Surf Rider Chicago. Joseph Chasing Horse is a Sundance Tribal Ceremonial Elder. Uh, and, he's, and he's out in, uh, in uh, Rapid City the last time I talked to him. So he's in the Black Hills someplace right now. And uh, I guess cool. he's coordinating stuff out there as well. So uh, where, where are you based, Jenny? I'm in Hammond, Indiana. That's I'm right. That's right. On my back deck right now. That's not what you, we would expect, but there you are. Uh, that's that's so cool that uh, well and and you know of course about uh, if you were listening to the show you also heard about the uh, the uh, Enbridge line and the protest that is happening. Yeah, you're uh, going to come for that, Jenny. Yeah, the pipe out protest, Chicago, which is Thursday at six p.m., six to eight p.m. at Montrose Beach. Uh, well, yes, ju- uh, I read about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for calling in and for being part of this and keeping me posted on some things. It's been uh, really a revelation, uh, and I hope you will continue to do that. And as you send stuff oh, to our face, as you send stuff to our Facebook page, we try to get it up on the main uh, timeline. Uh, and uh, we appreciate uh, having somebody else who's paying attention. Oh, thank you, and you're doing great work, Mike. Uh, th- Greatly appreciated. Well, I appreciate uh, you saying that. It's, uh, it's it's very kind. All right, have a great day. You can go back to bed if you want, but uh, <laughs> no, I got to get ready and go to work. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm already at work, so I can't do that. Uh, Jenny. Okay. Well, you guys have a great day too. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Jenny. Bye bye. Uh, this is the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, and you never know who's going to call in from Hammond, Indiana, from Rapid City, South Dakota. Mitch McNeil. In the studio, Surfrider Chicago. Um, And I was going to ask, Mitch, beyond the protest this week, what else does Surfrider do? I know you're local but national. Yeah. uh, This Line 5 issue is a a Michigan issue. Mm -hmm. Illinois has nothing legally to do with it. Except a lake. Right. So um, what I'm I'm hoping we can do is uh, get at least a symbolic um, sort of resolution passed with the state of Illinois or with uh, a city or something. Um, so I'm inviting uh, Dick Durbin and Mark Kirk and anyone who wants to come. Good. Let them, uh, you know, join the party. Put what them the, in a kayak. What the hell? Um, <laughs> so I, I think Illinois should, at the very least, symbolically mm-hmm. support this campaign to protect and preserve the Great Lakes. Should invite all the mayors of lakefront communities. There you go. Yeah, it's a it's a campaign that's uh, it's going on and on mm-hmm. until we get uh, a solution to this. But Surfrider is a larger organization. You're a five hundred one c three, right? And environmentally minded. So what? How else can people get involved with Surfrider? Well, Surfrider dot org is a good place to start. That gives you kind of a uh, overview of what we're doing, the different mm-hmm. campaigns we're involved in, involving. Um, Keeping the water clean and protecting access to the water. That's, that's basically it. Yeah, well, you know, and that's how we started the program today is because Mitch and I went back uh, a few years to when the plastic bag law was being considered in Chicago, and that's about protecting water and land and creatures and whatever you can do because it, the plastic bags are such an important part of that. So uh, Surfrider, uh, there, I was 
also working with surf rider people, not from Chicago, from other parts of the country, from California. Right. Bill Hickman. Right. Uh, yeah, and, there's, and, and somebody else, and, I'm, and I can't remember right now, but it, go ahead. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of plastic accumulating in the Great Lakes right now. Really? Yeah. You think? Surprise. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, it's just so sad, isn't it? It's, you know, and then we, you know, and plastics, again, are connected to oil and... Microbeads connected uh, Microbeads. To oil. And it has nowhere to go. Uh, well, yeah, true. And they're finding that um, these, these, these various surveys have shown and studies have shown that there's... It, as many microbeads in the Great Lakes and in freshwater as there are in the ocean, and there's a lot in the ocean. There's a lot of junk everywhere. We're just really good at creating junk and then throwing it in our water. And then uh, we wonder why we don't have clean water. Straws. Straws. Balloons. I could go on. Yeah, I bet you could. <laughs> I do beach cleanup, so I, I categorize yes. each little I'm just category. thinking of that you list. Know, <laughs> you guys ought to get together because Peggy does beach cleanups too. Um, and... What's uh, well? The number one thing on the beach is it still cigarette butts? Uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's number one. Yeah. What else do you find? That's a lot of. Uh, there's there's been a real spike in balloons. Yes. Really? Yeah, they're a thing now. No. These uh, b- balloon release events. Yeah, I know it. Well, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's part of the problem. And now what they'll tell you is, oh no, our balloons are biodegradable. Yeah, sure. Like the plastic, the the the, yeah. the compostable plastic bags that really act like uh, regular plastic bags, and you know, the, yeah. And if you if you have a professional uh, composting outfit, yeah, maybe you can compost those balloons. Neither are the ribbons attached to them. Yeah, and, and I find a lot of things like forks and spoons that people have thrown over plastic silverware. It's probably the compostable things up on the beach as well. I find a lot of these little. Uh, Mouthpieces for cigarillos. Yes, yes, that's. I didn't know those were still even a thing. Wow, it's uh, uh well, don't tipperillos. Yeah, well, what are the, what are the um, not tipperillos, but the ones. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of them. Swisher sweets. Yep, Swisher sweets. Where you you? How do you know that, George? Uh, I got a couple. You guys want to light up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, well, if you, only if you got a little Dubansk to put in there, because that's the way it works. You roll the little Dubansk into the Swisher Sweet, and then you know, off you go. All right, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, or Mitch McConnell? Oh my God! <laughs> oh no! Mitch, ah! <laughs> all right, that, all right that's, that's it. Just, all right, we're I'm done. out of here. Right, we're here, done. Light that sweet grass, please. Right, just, uh, you can, you can, no, no, we need sage to smudge you, the room after you that. You can wave it at me. It's okay. I, I need Mitch to be. McConnell. I need to be. He purged. needs to be smudged. I need right. to be smudged. Mitch McNeil. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. That's called a, mul- host, that's called a mulligan. It's a mulligan. Exactly. <laughs> I take a few of those. I'm, I've been known to take a few of those in my life. Uh, Mitch McNeil, people want to uh, get involved in the Pipe Out Protest Chicago. How did they do it? Go to chicago.surfrider.org or look uh, on Facebook, Surfrider Chicago. We're there. Yeah. And uh, it's easy to kind of follow your nose once you're there. And really, just show up. Montrose Beach, 6 right. p.m. on Thursday, right. and that's when this uh, action will be taking place. should be a nice summer day. Uh, it was a sunny day. 
And Mr. DeMaio is a kayaker, so maybe we can get him there, too. Uh, we'll talk to him about mm-hmm. it. Coming up next is the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio. Stick around for the aforementioned Mr. DeMaio. Trying to weather the housing market? Consider replacing your windows and siding. Remodeling Magazine says they're some of the nation's most popular projects today. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling and energy needs. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. It's jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, who's in charge here? It's jungle out there. Poison in the very air we breathe. And in the water. You know what's in the water that you drink. Oh, there it is. Well, I do. It's amazing. People think I'm crazy. Cause I worry all the time. If you paid attention, you'd be worried. This is my theme song. <laughs> you better pay attention for this world we love so much. Might just kill you. I could be wrong now. I could be wrong. But I don't think so. But I don't think so. Because there's the jungle out there. Ah, uh, yeah. You know that's that theme is so applies so well to a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show. Um, anyway, you were saying, Peggy. Well, it's a jungle out there, but Genesis can help you with that because Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies. So you can find out more at ChicagoAirbrushSupply.com or ArtSupply.com. Stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say you heard about them on Q4 Radio or the Mike Novak Show and get an extra 10% off their already discount prices. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier, serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. And we've got uh, Mr. DeMaio, I think, uh, in just a second, as soon as he uh, picks up the phone. Good morning. Good morning, Rick DeMaio. 
How are you, Mike Novak? Uh, good. Uh, why is it so uh, humid today? Why is it foggy? Why has it been so humid most of the summer? I know. It, it really has been. And we talked about that earlier. In fact, um, I mentioned it, I think, last week in the mold count and that sort of thing. We brought in uh, my partner, Kathleen Thompson, to talk about mold issues in the mm. air because it affects so many people. And they, a lot of them don't oh. even know they're being affected by the mold count. Um, and, you know, and so it rains and then you get sun. And what happens when, you know, you supply... Uh, nutrients and water and sun mm-hmm. and things grow, including mold. Um, and, uh, and you know, it can affect your breathing. It can affect your anxiety level. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and as Kathleen mentioned on the day she was here, and she, she, or she didn't mention, but she said to me afterward, oh, I should have said this. A lot of the symptoms are like, uh, what did she say? Uh, typical, um, not typical uh, allergies, but like, Maybe that will, yeah, yeah, allergy, yeah, sniffling and sneezing, and you, and you think, well, um, oh, you know, she'll write to me. I hope she's listening yeah, now. Like write, the, write the, to me and tell me, headache. tell me what it was you, you meant to say, Kathleen, and because it was something she forgot to mention it's, on it. It's just that light sinus headache every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The drip, the bleh. Yeah, all that stuff, and folks don't know that uh, the mold might have something to do with that. So. There you go. Anyway, um, uh, have you uh, dragged the kayak out this year, uh, Mr. DeMaio? <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have not um, done anything with the kayak in the last month because I, I strained my uh, lower back on the left side um, while I was on vacation. And, boy, the last thing you want to do is pick up a kayak because <laughs> it's got a very awkward shape to it. Yeah. And when you pick up a kayak, your weight's going all basically through your lower back. So... Um, I have not done it in about a month, uh, but um, are you referring to kayaking on the lake or on the river? On the lake. Uh, it, I, know, I, I figure you didn't catch the earlier segment. There's going to be a protest uh, on the lake on Thursday at 6 p.m. at Montrose Beach. Oh, um, oh uh, wow. Like, yeah, and, it's a, and they're going to have kayaks and all kinds of floating things in the lake. And it's about the Enbridge 5 pipeline, you know, that goes under the Straits of Mackinac. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the idea is to, to bring awareness to that. And we just kind of wondered whether Rick DeMaio would be out there with his, with his kayak. Um, I, I would love to do that, and I may still take part of it uh, to show my support. So um, once I get a little bit more news about it, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely be a part of it. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing it on my kayak. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I have, I have four kayaks. Now I have two static ones, if you want to call them that, you know, your, your plastic fiberglass type composite. And then I have two um, inflatable kayaks. Those are the ones that uh-huh. I bring on road trips with me. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, Mike, how easy it is to get those things uh, inflated and deflated. And I can literally put two kayaks in, in the trunk of my, in the trunk of my car, including luggage. So there's now never really a reason not to go someplace without your kayaks if if you don't want to worry about you know putting Have them kayak on the roof. Will but, travel. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it and and it and it really is amazing because someone saw me you know with the with the pump you know this was actually when I was in the Tetons and the guy said how does that 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 work pretty well and sure enough the two of us got on it two adults um, you're cramped a little bit but oddly enough it's more comfortable. Then the static kayak, static kayak is a little bit more rigid on your back. This was a, you, it kind of, kind of forms into your body size. 
Um, but uh, I have to say it was it was a dream come true to be able to buy those. And uh, my brother and his wife, they visit friends down in the Bahamas, and they take two bags of luggage. One is their luggage for themselves, and the other one is the luggage, which is the kayak. <laughs> and they and they and they check it through, and it weighs less than fifty pounds. Um, and they don't have to worry about the oars. The oars are already down there, and it's one of the better ways to go visit um, some of the little nooks and crannies of the Bahamas. So if anybody's doing a trip to the Caribbean, uh, you know they take them on these boats and stuff like that. But you get in the kayak; it's a totally different way of enjoying. Uh, nature, including the wetlands, which, yeah. which, I, which I did when I was back east, Mike, you get into areas that you've never seen before because you're only about a foot and a half above the water, and on, on top of that, it's quiet. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, I, 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 kayaking. I, I was just going to say, I love the fact that you said having a kayak is a dream come true. There's, there's guys out there who would settle for golf clubs, but no, Rick DeMaio wants a couple of kayaks, portable kayaks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to put my golf bag in my kayak, but um, I, I stopped kayaking the North Shore Channel of the Chicago River from Skokie on up to Wilmette Harbor over there. It's just it's just got too polluted for me. Not, not really? polluted, but it's just it's too stinky. Aren't yeah, they working on that, stinky. though? Isn't that where some some of the disinfection was supposed to I'm not sure exactly yeah, where. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, it's up there, but I don't know. Every once in a while, I look at the water. I'm like, uh, it's, it's, it's nice every once in a while to see the... You know, the great blue herons kind of fly by, but um, yeah, with gas when, masks when on. You your kayak in the, when you when you put your kayak in the water, and they say if you touch the water, make sure you don't touch your your mouth or your eyes. I go, okay, I don't it's want to do that. Right. Yeah, no. no, that is well, and that's yeah. why the MWRD has been working on disinfecting the waters. This is why people have fought for it for years, and finally they yeah. acquiesced and said, okay, we're, we'll make it part of our strategy, and. Um, and I and I don't know if that's one of the channels that is getting it, and somebody smarter and more knowledgeable than I would know. But I should uh, look that Where's up. Deborah. Yeah, let's get Deborah Shore on the, on the line. Um, hey, listen, uh, tornadoes yeah. in Indiana in August. Oh my God! Yeah, and, and and not only tornadoes, Mike, but um, violent tornadoes that were on the ground for a long time. Um, totally does not fit the bill for a late August tornado outbreak. Um, and then people go, hey, look, we had the Plainfield tornado here, you know, back in 1990, which was an F5. But that was one supercell that basically, you know, went from the northwest to the southeast. Uh, and actually, tomorrow is the anniversary of the Plainfield tornado, August 29th. Um, and it, the stuff that went to Indiana, I think what was most disconcerting about it was the mesoscale discussions that were um, issued for that area about two hours prior to it um, from the Storm Prediction Center basically said um, severe weather or tornadic activity is not expected. And the watch that went out went out at 10 minutes after 3, and the tornado that was spotted in Kokomo um, was reported at 20 after 3. Now, you know that that thing was probably developing a little bit ahead of that. Now, that's the Storm Prediction Center in Oklahoma. They're responsible for national coverage i don't know what the uh timeline was of the warnings from the north webster uh which is the northern indiana office or the indianapolis office which i think is responsible for the kokomo storms uh and i'm sure that they were looking at them oftentimes you may get a warning for a severe thunderstorm even before a severe thunderstorm watches out particularly if it's one cell 
that could be handled by the office. So I'm sure that they were probably looking at it, even down in Oklahoma. But these weren't little F-0s or F-1s. This was an F-3. And when you look back at, at some of the, uh, the visuals of this, this was a long past tornado. So this kind of this kind of made people in the forecasting community a little bit humbled. And, and my gosh, what's happening with our severe weather season, it seems to be starting earlier, ending later in the spring, and then starting earlier and ending later you know, in the fall, because this actually acted pretty much like a late September type outbreak, certainly not a late, Oct- a late August uh, outbreak, Mike. Yeah, I, and, and the rains just keep coming as well. Um, well it just it just it just doesn't stop here and 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 now it's almost a daily ritual for me right to go into the basement and make sure that it hasn't been flooded the night before <laughs> because you go outside and you and you look at all the standing water and a lot of these right. uh, sewer grates get uh, blocked up with junk and then it pools and and you think oh my goodness if there's that much water out there what's my basement look like and so far uh I've been spared um, I'm knocking on wood here really hard, um, but so far so good. And the mosquitoes are having a field day yeah. with all this water. Yeah, that's true yeah, too. And, and if, you, if you remember, um, we started out the first nine days in the month of August with basically really no measurable precip. Um, and in the last 15 days, we've had 12 days of measurable precip. Um, and in some areas, you know, it's come down to almost the tune of about an inch and a half to two, in- two inches, which which came down in your neighborhood. And, you know, some of the data that I sent you sh- still shows that some areas of southern Kankakee County into Iroquois, Ford County, those areas, about 50 miles, 60 miles south of us. Um, since the 1st of August, they're up to almost 12 inches of rain. Um, so it's interesting, or I should say it will be interesting to see whether or not um, – the next two weeks bode well for some of these fields to dry out because if not already, probably over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of harvesting of the crops. Uh, and the crops are going to be banner crops. The, the key is whether or not the farmers will be able to get their equipment in there, um, obviously, to pull the stuff out. Now, as, as far as as far as the mold is concerned, you know, we need, obviously, some dry weather, but also some lower humidity levels, even if you don't get rain. There's so much water in the ground, Mike, and this time of the year is when evapotranspiration is at its highest because, you know, the plants are just literally just, you know, uh, pushing everything that they get in the ground back out into the atmosphere. So yeah. if anybody is suffering from mold, it's probably not going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> and then on top of that. Oh, great. Hey, did you hear that, Kathleen? That, <laughs> Sorry. What, what was that? I'm just asking Kathleen if she heard that because it's not going to make her happy. No, no. And, and on top of that, the long-range forecast. Uh, out to 10 to 12 days and even 15 days uh, keeps us basically in a very warm, humid pattern. And this is pretty much all related to what's been going on in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and uh, how how are things developing there? I mean, are we still in line? Do you, do you, do you anticipate seeing at least one major storm? Yeah, it, it looked like for about three or four days. Um, and this was kind of interesting because, you know, uh, weather forecasters, they rely on two different things to forecast the weather, you know, current analysis and then, you know, forecast models. You know, in other words, numerical guidance that will take us out three, four or five days. Last week on, on Wednesday, I, I was actually shocked, but NBC News said storm brewing in the Caribbean and the person who was doing the weather who does a really good job for the morning show um, 
actually came out and said, look, the European model shows a near category three, didn't say category three, but, but literally showed the track of, of what could be a major hurricane moving through the Straits of Florida and up into the eastern Gulf of Mexico and showed the U.S. model taking the storm a little bit further east and much weaker. You know, you never used to hear the word model related to weather, and then you never used to hear the term European model and U.S. model when discussing what could happen in the Gulf of Mexico five days out. And it's interesting that the narrative in the discussion of what could be weather-wise four or five, da- five days out has moved up into this, into this um, you know, if you, if you want to call it level of, of, of weather terminology, which I think is Sophistication. Great. How about sophistication? Now, yeah, I, I, sophistication, that's a great word. And, and, and all of this really hinges on what happened with Hurricane Sandy back in 2012, whereas the U.S. forecast models did a horrible job of it, and the European forecast models did a much, much better job of it. And then if you recall, it was about a month and a half later, um, or I believe it maybe was a month and a half before that, it was when the Republican National Convention was going to take place in Tampa, Florida, and the U.S. model had this incredibly large hurricane developing right over Florida, but the European model took it out into the Gulf as a weak storm. Both of those times, the European forecast model was right, and we've known that that model has actually done a much better job of hurricanes. So what happened this past week? The European model, Mike, was dead wrong, ah. and the U.S. model was dead right. So. The fact that and USA, the USA, yeah, USA, USA. Yeah. America. Well, I, I guess I guess Trump's hat should be make the models great again, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was interesting to see that there was a lot of discussion what was going to happen with the storm, and and we kept looking at the observations of of there was too much lower level shear, there was too much dry air, the convection was off the center. It, none of these things in the short term matched up with what the European model was saying. So everybody kept saying, well, this isn't going to happen because look what's happening here. You know, it was also moving through a lot of land mass as well. So in the end, you know, the U.S. model won out. And, you know, I think we'd have to go back and look at why. But in the end, nothing happened. There's a weak tropical wave moving to the Gulf of Mexico. But the bottom line is over the next 10 to 12 days, it appears that there's going to be some form of activity moving through the Gulf. And whenever we've seen the Gulf of Mexico, the Caribbean active, even to a minor extent, it keeps our weather here in the Midwest warm. And I go back real quickly um, to the September and October 2012 was one of our warmest, most humid periods. Um, and that was when we had very, very active weather in the Gulf. And then also September and October 2005, when we had all those massive hurricanes, we had temperatures in mid 80s in October. So, this alone, when you look at the global pattern, this should be a next uh, the next two to three weeks continuing warm and also very humid as well. All right, one I'm going to ask you one question that you don't have to answer now, but it's for future reference that because I want to yeah, dis- sure. I, I want to discuss it in the future uh, before we get to your forecast, and that is I, I, I speaking of golf, <laughs> I went out and played golf on Monday. Um, and got teamed up with a couple of guys, uh, and they were really nice guys. And um, But at the end of it, we were talking climate change. Somehow the mm-hmm. conversation got oh, into the climate change. Mm-hmm. One of the guys just com- insisted that there was no way that human activity could affect the planet because it was too big. 
Um, and <laughs> I know, I know. And I was trying, and I and I thought about it, and, and I, I wasn't going to convince him. Um, I tried, uh, but he wasn't buying it. He says, you know, in the scheme of the universe, we're we're just a speck. And I went, well, wait a second. You're comparing apples and oranges here because in the scheme of the universe, right. yeah, we are a speck. But as in terms of the planet, we're a big fish in a little pond. Um, right. And but he he still wasn't buying it. So your homework assignment you know, is to is, is to give me that argument that that can win <laughs> the day. Well, I, 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 I know that's always a tough one, and, and, and it's short here because I know we've got to get done. Um, I always say to people, I go, okay, you look up and you see weather, but can you look up and actually see the globe? No. So you're, you're making an assessment based on what you can see, and that's fine. That's someone's opinion that, you know, the Earth is so big it will be able to absorb all this. But the question is, is that 70% of our planet is covered by water. And when you fly over it, you see the surface. You don't see what's going on underneath, and you don't see what's going on along the shoreline. And, again, that's the key. You know, when we talk about 50% of the Earth's heat being retained by the oceans, and one of the reasons why the year 2015 went down as, as one of the warmest ever was not so much to the land temperature, but it was really due to the water temperature. And water holds on to heat so much longer. Um, and if you want, take out, take out a little picture. If you get a, have one in your wallet every once in a while, uh, I always say do a snapshot of Pangea. You know, this was, you know, 150 million years ago when the Earth was basically five continents in one. And we had a very strange climate. And our climate now is one where it's more distributed evenly. Um, but, you know, you can always go through the five things about global temperatures and sea melt and, and a couple of other things. But, um, you know, I know everybody agrees on the weather. Everybody likes to disagree about climate. So that's going to be one of those where you just have to chalk it up. And I don't know if you're going to win the argument, but it's uh, it always it always, you know, it, unfortunately, it can ruin a good day. <laughs> it can ruin a good day of golf. Yeah. That's for sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, real quickly. So the forecast, we have this weak front actually moves south of us. So there's some low level what we call stratus clouds kind of moving across the area. It's interesting to note also the shoreline temperature of Lake Michigan is now down to 63, whereas the mid-lake temperature is 74. So those people who are going swimming today, you'll probably note with that light northeast wind, you may actually get a little bit of a bump upwards Mm -hmm. in water temperature. Uh, But it's also interesting to note that this weak front looks like it's going to be kind of moving back northward, and that could promote a focal point for some thunderstorms during the day on Tuesday. So nice today, nice tomorrow, a little bit still humid, but temperatures generally upper 70s, lakefront, low to mid 80s inland. And then another front comes through actually late in the day on Wednesday. Uh, So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all four days or all three days rather, a little bit cooler, a little bit less humid. So that's kind of nice for this time of the year. You want to get a little bit of a dry spell in here, but then we get right back in the warm and humid weather. And then Mike, by this time next week, there's actually two different tropical storms that could be forming um, east of Florida. And this is definitely a pattern now, long range, that is going to be a little bit more favorable for tropical storms. I think next week we'll be talking about a much more active Caribbean where this week right now things are pretty much quieted down and we like it that way. Uh, yeah, and I just noticed uh, Annie always gives us a California perspective and uh, she's just sent me a headline on an article, domestic well owners turn out in droves to protest water restriction proposals in Nevada. So, you oh, know, brother. <laughs> while, while, while we're dealing with uh, excessive rainfall here, they have water restriction and it just gives you 
uh, a sense of perspective, I guess, along the way. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> a lot All right. Of, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of perspectives in this world in many ways. <laughs> you betcha. Rick DeMaio, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Have a, a good and productive week, and don't forget about kayaking on Thursday. On Thursday. I'll write that I, down. I will, Take care. I, Talk to you next week. I will send you the information. Okay, sounds good. Looking forward to that. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye, and if I can give a plug for Natural Awakening Chicago. Oh, yes. Yeah. Wait. Bearding. Thank you. Our new September issue is out, hitting the streets as we speak, and we've got... That's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why I'm Don't, here. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Ow. Ow. <laughs> so, real quick, you can, you can pick it up all over. We've got a great article from Lisa Hilgenberg, speaking of Chicago oh, Botanic right, Gardens. right, who was on this program not so long ago. Yeah, and for anyone who follows... Natural Awakenings on Instagram or Facebook and saw the 10 pounds of tomatoes turned into salsa yesterday. You can find that recipe in the current issue as well or go to nachicagonorth.com. Cool. All right. George, we hardly knew you. Uh, he'll be around. His team oh, I'll be back. Yeah. yeah. He won't get rid of me that easily. Oh, good. Because he, he knows, how to get in, <laughs> knows how to get into the building. And so. he knows how to work the board. He can always turn us off. And he's, and he's, we're going we're gonna to press him into service for something very, very soon. Okay. There you go. Everybody dance and everybody sing. Oh, there's no, there's no words. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, make the thing trumpets on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everybody do your trumpet. Oh, and I want to thank the uh, kale plant here for being part of the show. It's the Italian Nero kale. The Italian Nero kale. The Italian Nero kale. And I'm taking it home, put it in the ground. All right. Thanks to Joseph Chasing Horse and (laughs) Mitch McNeil, Scott Jones, Megan Wells, Eileen Prendergast, and everybody here. Go green or go home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs>